All right, so we're going to be following along with the Apostle Peter's Genesis story today. We find that in Luke 5, and we're going to use his story as a backdrop for our own story. And as, as we dive into scripture today, we're going to be trying to answer one question together for the rest of our time. Here it is. Why is following Jesus so hard sometimes? Why is following Jesus so hard sometimes? Because following Jesus isn't the same as following someone on social media, is it? Or subscribing to their YouTube channel. It often costs us something which we'll encounter in Peter's story. And we're going to dive into that. But before we do, let me just give you some context for where we're at. So we're going to be in the book of Luke. And Luke is one of four accounts that we have of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And Luke actually wasn't there. He wasn't an eyewitness, but he did a ton of um, reports to figure out and piece this story together so that we could meet Jesus through the story. And Jesus comes out of anonymity, and he comes and is baptized by John the Baptist. And before he ever preaches a sermon, before he heals anyone, before he multiplies anything, he receives God's affirmation just for who he is as God's son. And after that, immediately after that, Jesus follows the spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jesus resists the devil and submits to God and ultimately comes back to his hometown, scripture says, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on a teaching tour and he goes on a rebuking tour and he rebukes three things. He rebukes people who have tried to put him in a box he rebukes demons who are, are possessing or afflicting different people, and he rebukes a fever. And soon, unsurprisingly, he is swarmed with crowds, and people are pressing up on him. And so we find him in verse 1 through 3, where the crowds are pressing in on him as he walks along the Lake of Galilee. And as he walks along, he sees two boats, and one of them is Peter's. And they just got done from a night of fishing. They're cleaning their nets, about to go to bed. But he asked Peter, hey, can I get in your boat? Will you push out a little bit? And he ends up teaching the crowd from the boat. And this is where we pick up. In verses four and five, it says, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let, you, let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we have worked all night long and we've caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, what is Peter doing? Peter is being polite. I told you that Jesus went on a rebuking tour, right? And he rebuked a fever. The fever that he rebuked was Peter's mother-in-law. So Peter kind of has to do this. Like, he's kind of roped into this. He's, he's giving Jesus the benefit of the, di benefit of the doubt, even though he's dog-tired, even though he doesn't necessarily want to. There are places where he would rather be. He says yes. Which brings us to the first thing that you and I have to face with this question. Why is following Jesus so hard sometimes? Here what we, here's what we find in Peter's story. Following Jesus invites us to confront our own limits. You see, you and I, we have limits. We get tired. We need naps. We get burned out. God doesn't. We're finite beings trying to serve an infinite God, and God made us with limits, and it wasn't an accident. Is that he doesn't want us to do it all on our own, like Peter and his buddies tried to do fishing all night long, but he invites us to walk with him and to respond to Jesus' call. And Jesus met Peter when he was tired. He didn't give him a heads up, a calendar invite, or a save the day. He just grabbed his attention and said, will you follow me? Do you trust me? And we pick up again in the next verse. Verses six through seven. 
It says, when they'd done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And then they came and filled both boats, so much so that they began to sink. Now Jesus saw two boats on the shore when he walked up, and he got into one of them, Peter. And then they pushed out to sea. They had to signal the other boat because the other boat wasn't nearby. Otherwise, they would have been able to see it. They were still on the shore. Why? It's because Peter didn't expect to catch any fish. Jesus asked them to do it, but Peter didn't actually think that they were going to catch any fish. And this is the second thing we find in Peter's story. Why is it so hard sometimes? Because following Jesus invites us to confront our own skepticism. You see, you and I, we both have skepticism. We have things that we know in our head, but we have trouble believing in our heart. And so did Peter. I mean, imagine, imagine Peter living his life, entrepreneur, owning his own small business. Jesus comes along and, and commandeers a boat, starts issuing out, issuing out directions. And Peter's like, okay, Jesus, I know that you're a really good communicator, I know that you're weirdly good at healing people, but you don't know anything about fishing. Like, that's my area of expertise, because if you knew anything about fishing, you would know that fish don't bite during the day, that they were supposed to bite at night, and they didn't even do that. And then when they did what God asked them to do, even though they didn't believe that he would do it, they caught so many fish that their nets were starting to break, and Peter is forced to wrestle with this reality that God may be better than the best thing that he does. That God may be more of an expert than in his, in his area of expertise. For Peter, that Jesus knows more about fishing than he does. And that's an overwhelming thought for Peter. Because Peter's starting to put the pieces together. And if God wants, wants to and can speak into every area of our life, and there isn't any area in our life that God doesn't know more about, then that means he has an opinion and he wants to share with how we spend our money, with how we make our money, with how we spend our time, how we take care of our bodies, how we interact with our kids or neighbors or parents. And, and when Peter starts to understand that, he hits a breaking point. And we find that in the next verse, verse 8 through 10. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he says, Go away from me. Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. I think there's so much in these verses. Why are Peter and his friends so freaked out? Why are they so afraid? It's not from the fish that they caught. It's not even that their boats are beginning to sink. They're not afraid of what's outside of the boat. They're afraid of who's inside the boat. Because they're starting to put the pieces together that Jesus isn't just a good communicator, that he's not just a demonic exorcist, that he's not just a miraculous healer, he's not just an expert fisherman, that Jesus might be more than he appears. And as soon as they start to sense God's moreness, they're overwhelmed by their own fear. And here's the third thing that we see from Peter's story. Why is it so hard sometimes? It's because following Jesus invites us to confront our inadequacy, our shortcomings. And what I love about these verses is I love how Jesus responds to Peter and his friends. 
Because Jesus knew that he knew how to fish, even if Peter didn't. Jesus knew that he is the Son of God, even if Peter didn't. And when Peter and his friends start to comprehend that Jesus may be more than what he seems, Jesus isn't impatient with him. He's not mad at him. He's not frustrated at him. And I just want to encourage some of you today, because some of you, when you picture Jesus, you don't picture Jesus that way. That when you picture God up in heaven, you picture him being an exacting God, always wanting more, that, that what you're doing is never enough, and that he just wished that you would speed up or do better so that you could do more, and you're always afraid of what he's going to say. And can I just encourage you this morning, church? That's not the God that we serve. Is that Jesus, when he sees Peter's fear, what does he do? He gets down on his level and he speaks to it. And he says, you don't have to be afraid. I'm here for you. Come on, I have something so much better. Will you just follow me? And when they receive that love, that care from Jesus, look at their response. We find this last verse, verse 11. It says, when they had brought their boats to shore, what did they do? They left everything and they followed him. See, this whole time we've been trying to answer one question, remember? Why is following Jesus so hard sometimes? Here's, here it is. Here's what we find through Peter's story. It's because following Jesus invites us to surrender control and embrace the unknown. And if we're honest, this is why so many of us don't invite Jesus into our boat in the first place, right? Because we think that if we open the door a crack that Jesus will just bust through, that if we give Jesus an inch, that he'll want a mile. Because if he truly is Lord, if he truly is king, if he can ask for anything in any area of our life, then before he gets into the boat, we want to know, what could you ask me to give up? What areas are off limits to you, Jesus? What assurances, what guarantees can you give me at the end of all of this? And I can only find three. And maybe you can find more and you can come tell me after if you have more. But I can only find three. And it's this, that Jesus loves us, that he'll never leave us, and that in the end, we'll be together forever. That's it. Just those three. Everything else can change. Everything else can be taken away. And you see, this is the genesis of Peter's story. And he learns two things. One, that he's not in control. And two, that he doesn't know where this will take him. And the same is true for your and I's journey. It reminds me of a person in our church, a, a person who's a part of our church. Let me introduce you to her. Her name is Mary. That's Mary. That's her daughter. And I got to spend some time with Mary this week, and, and I was so encouraged by the time that I spent with her. And some of you don't know Mary's story. Mary has cancer. And Mary's been on this up and down journey of, of going through cancer treatments. And she got to a place not that long ago where she was almost cancer-free. She was so excited. But then she had some physical complications and she had to have surgery on her back and some other things. And so she had to stop the cancer treatments while they addressed those other issues. And when they did, the cancer grew and grew. Until now, the doctors are not that optimistic on the outlook of Mary's life. And what they're most concerned with, what they told her, is we're just concerned with giving you a quality of life with what you have left. And I sat with her this week and we just talked about it and she said, Evan, sometimes I'm so tired. Sometimes the pain is so much. Sometimes I'm so frustrated. And then God meets me in that place and he reminds me that he'll always love me and he'll never leave me and in the end we'll be together forever. 
And she said, and that just encourages me that God wants to use me right where I am. And so then I, I get so excited to go back to the hospital, is what she said, to go back. Because when I do, she said, God gives, every time God gives me a new nurse. And she said, the nurse will lay her hand on my hand and she'll say, Mary, what do you want to talk about? And she said, Evan, I don't tell her about the weather. She says, I tell her about Jesus. I tell her about how much he loves me. And I tell her about how much she loves her or loves him. And she says, I tell them about how much he's done for me. And I love Mary's story. She's so in love with Jesus. She trusts him so wholeheartedly that there is nothing that she isn't willing to face with him by her side. Here it is, church. Do we believe that the life that God envisions for us is worth risking the one we already have? Do we believe that? That the life that God envisions us, that where Jesus is trying to invite us to is better than the one we already have? You see, because Peter could have gotten back into his boat without Jesus, and so can you, but what would you miss along the way? See, it wasn't an easy choice for Peter, and it isn't for us either, because following Jesus is hard sometimes. It's scary. It forces us to face things in ourselves that we wish weren't there, that we come to the end of ourselves, and God invites us to surrender control, to embrace the unknown. Do you believe that what God has stored up for you is better than what you'll have to leave behind? Do you believe that today? Some of you might say, I want that, but how? And so let me be as helpful as I can, as practical as I can. Just three things. The first is this. Invite Jesus into your boat. Invite Jesus into your boat. Say something like this. Jesus, there is no area in my life that is off limits to you. That if you want to speak to me, that if you want to change something in me, that, that you can have any area like your Lord, you're in charge. I turn the keys over to the entire house. Go in whatever room you want. Invite Jesus into your boat. The second one is this. Identify your fish. For Peter, his area of self-sufficiency, his area where he really didn't need God to come through was fishing. And that's probably not what it is for you. But you and I all have areas in our lives that we have red tape over, that are off limits to God, that, are, that we're self-sufficient, that we don't really need him. And so what if God were to reveal that to you today? What if he were to share with you an area that he wants to be invited into? The last one is this. Let go of your net. Scripture says that when they got back to shore, they dropped everything. They surrendered everything. And I think what God might want to say this morning for so many of us is that our hands are so full of what we already have that how could God give us anything new? that Peter and his friends had to let go of some things that they thought that they needed in order to take up what God had for them, what God had set aside for them, what God was calling them into. And I think the same is true for you and me. I believe that every time we spend time in God's presence, he wants to speak to us, every single one of us. He doesn't have favorites. He wants to help us and encourage us. And my prayer is that God would solidify something for you in this time. I don't know what he wants to say to you, but I, just, I, I don't want to run past creating the moment where he can speak to you and where you could hear from him. 
And so let's pray together, church, with every head bowed and eyes closed, let's pray together. God, we look to you today. Jesus, we thank you today that you walk along the shore looking for us, that you ask to come into our boat, that you don't want to leave us on our own dealing with life the way that, the only way that we know how to deal with it, but that you want to draw closer to us, that you want more of our hearts. And it's not because you're exacting or that you can't be satisfied. It's because you love us. And you say, do not be afraid because you know that deep down there, there's fear, that there are areas that we're afraid that we're not in control and we don't know what to do. And so for every single person under the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would highlight something for them, that you would solidify something for them, that you would crystallize something just for them because you love them, that you'd speak to them so clearly. And I pray that reading through, listening to the genesis of Peter's story would remind us of the energy and the excitement and the momentum from the genesis of our own story. And God, I also wanna pray for, for those who we have today who can't go back to the genesis of their story that they walked into whatever room they're sitting in today, opened up their laptop or are joining us in person and, and they didn't have a relationship with Jesus, that they've never heard about a relationship with God like that, that you love them, that you're for them, that you wanna draw near them and help them. And I, I can't run past this moment. All I wanna do is create a space where if that's you today, if you feel like something is drawing inside of you like a magnet towards something else, I just wanna give you an opportunity to respond. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. I just want to know to pray for you. And so if that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just ask you to slip your, slip your hand up really quick so that I know to pray for you. Online, you can put a thumbs up. Our online hosts will be praying for you. If that's you today, just pray these words after me. I'll, I'll leave a pause so that you can pray your own words. Just say, Jesus, I hear you calling to me. I hear you inviting me and I just want to respond the only way I know how with bringing all of myself, the good, the bad. And Jesus, I want to respond to the call that you have on my life. I'm so sorry for going my own way, for having to have things in my own timing and I surrender my life over to you. I give you the keys and all I ask is that you would make me new, that you'd give me a new heart that you would cleanse me and that you would help me live a life worthy of the calling that you've given to me for my life. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus and everybody said, amen, amen and amen.